This is an AMI podcast. Hi, I'm Fern Nullum, and welcome to Into You, the podcast where we put love under the microscope, shedding light on the do's, don'ts, and nightmare scenarios we find ourselves in while flirting with romance. When you first saw me, what was your first impression? I thought you didn't like me. We all come at dating from a slightly different angle, but we are often faced with very similar situations to shape up to. In my mind, it's like, well, if I've said we're meeting at 7.30, I will be there at 7.30. If only that was still the case. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, there's two people in this relationship. Dating can uncover things about ourselves we never knew before. So without further ado, let's get into you. Right, the big question. Are you ready? As ready as I'll ever be. (laughs) Hello and congratulations for making the very wise choice to pop on the podcast that takes a lab coat to our love lives and asks the kind of bold questions nobody else would ever dare. It is, of course, into you. Now, today marks our 25th episode, and so, as a special treat, I'm pulling back the proverbial curtain on the podcast and inviting you to learn a little more about my dating life and my take on some of the topics that we've previously covered on the show. Yes, I thought we'd mix it up a bit and speak to producer, sound engineer, and podcast magician Josh Holland, who also happens to be my other half. Later, Josh shares some of his worst dating experiences. I've driven an hour to come and see you, and then you get there, and they've just turned up in a onesie and not feeling their best. And we get honest about our first impressions of each other. And I think the first thing I said was, it's a long way or something. God, that's a long way. (laughs) (laughs) But first... As always, I like to start with the basics and ease my guests in with something I feel sure they'll definitely know. So I decided to ask Josh a very simple question. Who are you to me? I'm your boyfriend. You said that with some hesitation. And I'm your engineer on this podcast. The sound man. So you were keen to do this interview via Zoom. Could you explain what your thinking was behind that? Because I felt it'd be more consistent because all of your other interviews were done on Zoom. So I thought, well, let's do this one on Zoom because then it will just all match. Plus you wanted to do the robotic noises. Hey, hello. <laughs> I can do all of those as well. If you felt like we were breaking up. (laughs) No, we're never breaking up. Good answer. Well done. But talking of tech, we use technology to meet. So how did you find using the dating apps? I mean, they were all one and the same. Swipe left or right. I think the thing that appealed to me when I swiped in the correct direction for you, which I can't remember, is that right or left? I haven't been on a dating app for so long Good. that I've totally forgotten which way you meant to swipe. I saw you had a dog and I've had like so many in my life, which was nice. And I thought you just looked like a lovely person. You've since found out otherwise. No, you are still a lovely person. Just <laughs> some qualities that were hidden at the time. Very diplomatic. Someone has to be. 
I used lots of different apps and I used some online dating as in like when it was on the computer. Remember those days? Oh, what like? Is it Plenty of Fish? Plenty of Fish, eHarmony, Match.com. I never used them because they always wanted £15 a month, which I was like, I'm not willing to pay £15 a month. (laughs) There's money in loneliness, you know, it seems to be... (laughs) It's just so much money. You weren't willing to pay for the love of your life. Well, I paid for like a few months and nothing happened. And a lot of those sites are all filled with spam and people who just, well, people that ghost you. Mm. So why are you paying for just people to ignore you? I would argue that all dating sites and apps, you know, you could encounter people like that on any of them. Yeah, true. Hey, I was quitting. I found you. That's true. You did. You lucky man. I So I had many, many disaster estates do you have any that spring to mind that were particularly bad be careful what you say there was one person who just turned out to be kind of like a bit of a troll just like saying mean comments and i was like i don't want to be around someone like that so i think that date lasted 15 minutes and then i made an excuse actually luckily i was a chauffeur at the time so i said i was on call i did actually drop her back off at her house in the chauffeur car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then um, I said I'd give her a text and then I did actually say that it didn't really work, didn't feel there was a connection. So I just sort of left it at that. But just said, you know, good luck. So do you remember what you said on your dating profile, how you described yourself? I didn't describe a lot. I just said what I did. <laughs> that was enough for me. <laughs> oh, you he's thought, a sound guy. He's a sound guy, I need yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> And the rest is history. Yeah, I was hired. You must have said more than that. No, I, I think if you look on my profile, if it still exists, it just says what I did. Well, because I felt like if you say it all in the bio, what's there to talk about when they actually want to chat to you? I don't even know if I said what I did. No, you probably didn't. I think I said something very twee about the kind of girl I was. I think I described myself as... You know, some girls are like a wild night out and some girls are like a walk in the countryside. <laughs> and I said I was the latter because I'm I'm not like a party girl. I'm just like a comfy old jacket that you throw on and you feel comfortable in. And it yeah. might not be the most attractive and striking and cool, but it's safe and comfy and homely. Yeah, but I'm like that as well. We were a good fit. Exactly. Do you remember what stood out to you from my profile? To be honest, we've been together now nearly four years and, you know, most of it I've been living with you. I remember a couple of pictures. There was you with your dog, Nancy. There was you in like a nice dress. Aside from that, that bit sort of like not purged from my mind, but okay, that was the introduction to the person. Now I actually know him and I remember the bits where I actually have been with him. In fact, I remember our WhatsApp conversations more. Do you know what my opening line was on WhatsApp? Oh, now you put me on the spot. I, I don't. I remember one of the first conversations we had, which was you taking the mick out of my grandma when I was <laughs> shopping. You'd like to take the mick out of me. So we are a success story and hopefully we continue to be a success story unless anything goes horribly wrong. You just jinxed wrong. it. <laughs> Have you got any tips for conquering the online dating world? How did it work for you? Oh, it's just luck. I think just be yourself be accommodating to the other person and just i guess the classic thing is charm of which you had oh i had loads of it i had loads of it but i think yeah just be yourself because at the end of the day they gotta like you for you 
there's no point putting on the facade for a couple of dates and then switch up because they're not going to like that person that you've switched back to. So it's just best to start as you mean to go on. Well, one thing that I feel like helped us is that we spoke on the phone before we met. And that was something that I did a few times with different people. None as successful as you, of course. But was that something that you had done in the past? And do you think that helped us? From memory, no. I don't think I'd actually spoken to someone for that length of time. Yeah, well, it was at least two hours. (laughs) Yeah, I'd never spoken to someone for that long. I could have just gone on for an extra hour. The time sort of flew past. When the call ended, I was just like, well, that's a shame. But, you know, I'll see you at some point in the next week or so. Well, I started doing the phone call thing because, and anyone who's listening who takes a long time to get ready for dates will be able to relate to this. I would spend so much time and effort putting my outfit together, putting my makeup on, doing my hair, or, you know, worrying about all of these things, the very superficial things, I will say, but things that nonetheless, when you're going on a date, you worry about, turn up and within about the first five minutes, you just know it wasn't going to go anywhere. And you both knew that. I mean, did you have some of those dates? Yeah, I went to one where she turned up with a rotten hangover. She went to go get some paracetamol and I wasn't expecting her to come back, but she did. I mean, (laughs) fair dues, but I was kind of like, I've driven an hour to come and see you. And then you get there and they've just turned up in a onesie and not feeling their best. Thank goodness I didn't pick the onesie for that night. I'm sure you'll look fine in it. I think the big thing for me on that call, just to stick with the call, we will get on to the date, was disclosing my disability to you because I was very nervous about doing that, telling you that I was blind. I was very worried. I was always very worried telling people that because I just didn't know how they would react, how they would preconceive that because a lot of it isn't even so much about the reality of that. It's about what it might mean just from a point of view of never having experienced it perhaps or maybe just seeing it in films or seeing certain depictions of blind people but not really knowing and how that kind of influenced what they would think. Yeah, I guess from my point of view is I didn't really mind if you were disabled or not. You know, we've all got our problems. I wasn't phased by it. Mm. It's just one of those things that you think, oh, it's just logistics. I need to help them a bit more. What's a big deal about that, you know? Sometimes I forget that you have a disability. You don't see them as their disability. You sort of forget about that. Mm, I guess we have to help each other just in different ways, right? Like you say, everyone has something, even if it's not a physical thing. It might be they need more emotional support or there's a million things. Exactly. So I decided that I would disclose my disability using the cutest way I knew how, which was my dog. We were talking about Nancy. And you asked, when did you get her? And I remember in that second that I had to think about my answer, I was thinking, well, I'm either going to lie and kind of be like, oh, I've had her since she was a puppy and then have to backtrack at some point and tell you the truth. Or I was just going to say, oh, actually, I got her when she was 18 months old because she's a guide dog. And I, in that second, was terrified but decided to tell you, how did you feel when I said that? That's cool. I had some questions. I don't think I'd ever seen a guide dog. I thought, naively, that guide dogs were like the kind of dogs that would just go and get your paper, bring it to you, (laughs) go and put the toaster on kind of thing, stick the kettle on. If only. Exactly. 
you said, no, she does this and this and this for me. But also, I would have understood if you hadn't have told me. I would have actually understood. It's not a negative thing against me that you haven't told me. It's more something you, you know, don't feel comfortable with. In which case, it's like it doesn't affect me. It's more like I should just be patient, just nice to the person, and then they can sort of open up to you. Well, I do think it it is definitely partly an insecurity on my part, but I also think there is the element of if you don't know much about guide dogs, for you it was more just a curiosity thing, like, oh, I want to find out, I want to ask you questions. But I think for a lot of people that's a oh my God, if this person relies on a dog just to walk around and there's a lot of myths or misconceptions, then I think part of it was me not wanting to kind of put off potentially the right person for the wrong reasons. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. I like you say, you didn't know me at the time, so you had no idea how I'd react. Mm -hmm. So I totally get that. I guess now, beauty of hindsight is, you know that I would be like, oh, that's fine. Your disability, it's not part of your personality i see you as the bubbly personality you are and sort of the fun and the sort of like everything's an adventure which is sometimes very tiring (laughs) you know you can't do some of the stuff but you're always thinking of other things that maybe i've not thought of or just anything else to help me and that's worth more than anything yes it's true my foresight is about as bad as my eyesight still it's interesting how whether disabled or not we can sometimes be so fervently convinced of somebody judging us that we don't even begin to consider the possibility that this might be so far from what will actually unfold I was very much enjoying the opportunity to put Josh on the spot, so I thought it might be fun to ask five quick-fire questions about first dates, and here are his magnificent answers. Quick-fire round. Ooh, the game show time. (laughs) Yes, indeed. So I've got five questions for you, Joshy. Right, good. Go. The first one. Who pays on a first date? Me. I mean, the person who asked the person out on a date. Me is better. I like the first answer best. Things that you should do on a first date. Look your best. Be presentable and be on time. Be early. Be half an hour early. Yeah. And make them panic. First date don'ts. Don't turn up late. You can't just say the opposite of everything you just said. Don't not turn up at all. Don't be standing people up. Signs that they're not into you. (laughs) If they're not wanting to strike up a conversation with you. Yeah, that's quite a good one, isn't it? Yeah, if they don't want to talk to you, then you definitely know. (laughs) I just have this vision of you sitting there going, so, nice weather we're having today. It's like pitch black. <laughs> Talk about striking up a conversation. We were the complete opposite of that. It is me. Last question. Ready? Go. Do chat up lines work? Depends on the person delivering them. If it's me, probably not. <laughs> just be as smooth as possible. Well, there's only one thing left to say to that, and that is get your coat you've pulled. Listening to Josh speak about the shared experience of our first date from his side was fascinating. So much of what he'd been feeling seemed to mirror what I'd been feeling too. The shy self-consciousness, the importance we both placed on the other person liking us, 
the eagerness to do everything in our power to make a positive first impression, and the realization that many of the moments which we had interpreted as doubt in the other had actually been doubt in ourselves. These all strike me as very common traits amongst first daters in general, and yet they have this tricky ability to leave us feeling so timidly alone, so sure that everyone else in the world has got it far more together than we have. How would it be if we could go into any date with our eyes wide open to these things, with less fear and more empathy, with a greater awareness of our inane similarities rather than a tunnel view focus on the things which set us apart? One thing which has become clear to me is that we never stop learning about our partner no matter how long we've been together, and any time we ask them a question, we can never be too sure what their answer might be. I wondered when I asked you about nightmare situations if you would say our first date because we had quite an interesting first date, didn't we? I'd say it was lovely. <laughs> All went completely to plan. Exactly. It makes for good podcast material. So fast forward to the night that we met our mm-hmm. first date. You drove down to me and what was going through your mind on that drive down to Hastings, that one and a half hour drive? Hope she likes me. And God, this is quite a long way. <laughs> the problem is it's not that far away. It's all country lanes. And if you get stuck by a tractor, that's it, game over. I even left early because I thought, you know, it's best to arrive early than late. It's a good sign for punctuality. <laughs> but I guess, yeah, those are the two things, really. Mainly the first one, which was, I hope she likes me. I think it's funny that you said that because I was panicking and getting antsy at one point because you hadn't texted me to say, I'm leaving now. And I was thinking, if he's coming, surely he's left by now. That's my bad. That's just because I figured I'm more likely to be there than you are. So in my mind, it's like, well, if I've said we're meeting at 7.30, I will be there at 7.30. (laughs) Obviously, you didn't know that at the time. If only that was still the case. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, there's two people in this relationship. You showed up half an hour early in the end. So I was rushing around the house going oh, he's not going to come. Like, I've dressed up now. Even after the phone call, I still Oh, how I surprised you. And yeah, so I was rushing around trying to get my boots on, big old boots with a big old zip, trying not to rip my tights. Oh, what a mess. I guess I just thought it's best to arrive early because obviously you gave me a postcode, but I didn't know what house. You know, I might be in the wrong place. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. When you first saw me, what was your first impression? I thought you looked really lovely. And I was very excited to see you because I was standing outside the car. I was going to be gentleman-like, you know, walk you around, open the door. You know, first impressions are everything. But I thought you didn't like me. Based on what? It was the way you was looking at me. It's hard to explain because I think you were nervous. Mm-hmm. And I think the first thing I said was, it's a long way or something. God, that's a long way. Yeah. <laughs> and... Yeah, probably not the best thing to say. Not the best opener. No, exactly. And I thought you didn't really like me, but that soon sort of settled and, you know, we just started talking. Well, I think this just shows how you're both so in your head when you meet on a dating app. Most people, we were both thinking, oh God, what if the other person doesn't like me? What if the other person judges me based on this thing? Like for me, it was my disability. And you're just both so focused on yourself that quite often you're not thinking, do I actually like them? 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And when you said, God, that was a long way, I was just yeah. thinking, oh, no. Well, I just meant that as a joke. Like, that was just my way of flirting and being funny. The thing is, I had history. People had come from varying distances before, and that was one of the reasons why they never came back. And so when I saw that you were from Whitstable, already in my head I was thinking, well, this probably is not going to go anywhere. Oh, I proved you wrong. You you absolutely (laughs) did. In a way, it was quite nice because I think it helped take the pressure off of me because I just thought, well, you know, let's go out and we'll meet and we'll see how it goes. But I really didn't have high hopes for it actually lasting. Maybe there's a lesson in that, you know, maybe the fact that I was more laid back because I wasn't putting these huge high expectations on it was the thing that actually helped in the end. Mm -hmm. That's probably the same for me. Once I saw you become more relaxed and I was sort of, I felt the same. We chose to go to an Italian restaurant for dinner. Did you have any worries or concerns about eating pasta on a first date at all? Because I did. No, because I just thought, well, I won't eat pasta. I'll have like a pizza or something. Well, that's where I went wrong. I see. Because I absolutely went for the spaghetti. But actually, so did I. The messiest pasta of choice. You had spaghetti carbonara and I think I had meatballs because at least then you've got something else you can eat with a knife and fork. I was so nervous that I was not eating very much of it and then I took the opportunity when you went to the toilet to just... Go for it. it. Yeah. Go for it. Absolutely. Oh, it was really nice. Because we'd spoken so at length before, I didn't feel so nervous because obviously I'd read the menu out to you and sometimes I'd forget. <laughs> so I'd just be skim reading it and obviously I'd never done that before. And then you were like, uh, I need you to read it to me. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then I'm like, you know, reading the list of things. And I think now I've got a system where I say, what category of food are you interesting? Because some menus are massive can't read it all by the time i've read it all both you and i have forgotten what i've just said well and also we both know that i'm quite fussy so most of the things on there it's going to be a no yeah so i can just go don't bother turning that don't point turning that what are you fancying fish chicken or pasta and then i give you all the options in that category and then we were going to go for a romantic walk along the seafront but we both decided against that idea so cold it was unbelievably cold I remember taking your hand because it was dark and cold and we just wanted to get indoors as quickly as possible. And due to the terrible coldness of the January evening, we decided to go for a little drive around in your car, your little car around my hometown. And I feel like when you say we went for a little drive around the town together, it sounds very romantic. But I mean, it was interesting because it was dark. I couldn't see. You had no idea where you were going. Yep. I think we parked next to a council estate classy yeah well i just didn't know where else to go and i just thought well if i just keep driving around you don't you have much time to talk to someone when you're concentrating on driving especially if you don't know where you're going i guess it was just it would just be nice to spend a bit more time with you mm-hmm. and i thought i'd like to spend as much as i can with you before i have to go back and we chatted there was a lot of laughing going on i think we had some cheeky kisses in the car yeah guilty on all counts i feel like we were just like a couple of teenagers i'd say so it was good. It was a nice time. But the best bit is to come. <laughs> Depending on your definition of best bit. I think it's funny. I started to get messages on my phone. You know, the classic parents like, where are you? What's happening? It's getting late. What's yeah. going on? And like you, I just wanted to stay and spend more time with you. And I just got this good feeling about you. And I will say, 
it probably wasn't the best idea of mine to go off with a man that I'd literally just met, get in his car on a dark evening and just let him drive me to wherever he so chose. I didn't know you at that point, but no. I did feel safe with you. No, I didn't know you either. You know, I could have well, I could have yeah. been one of those statistics. What were you walking into? I know. I've seen CBS reality now. And you're never going to do anything like that again? No. Nope. I hope. Good. Yeah, maybe it was me that was the worry instead of the other way around. Definitely. So, <laughs> no qualms about that. No questions. Yeah, I know you're kind. I start off all sweet and innocent. Well, eventually I was texting back, but I was saying, oh, it's fine, don't worry. And you'd been telling me lots of stories about various things. But one of the things that you told me about was when your car broke down on the motorway. Can yep. you retell that story? I was giving a friend a lift home and we got stuck on like heavy traffic. It was rainy. It was midnight and we were stuck in the fast lane. I think we must have been there for like maybe half an hour because we were playing games and resistance to the radio and we were streaming music from our phones and whatnot. I must have left the lights on because I went to turn the car over when the traffic started moving and it was dead. Like people had to get out of their cars and push me over to the hard shoulder, which there wasn't one actually. So it was just on the edge of the motorway. I didn't have breakdown cover. So I rung the first name I could think of and said to him that I don't have breakdown cover. I'm just going to buy it now. Can you come pick me up? They did. But it took them four hours. So this girl, she could have got the train home and been in bed like hours ago. And instead she spent the evening with me on the hard shoulder with a car that was slowly dying freezing cold in the rain and talking of keeping girls waiting in cars let's go back to us me sitting in that car getting messages more and more from friends family <laughs> anyone who knew that I was going out on a date with a random stranger wondering where I was it was getting closer to midnight so we were kind of, at this point, we were like, well, we probably should head back. Yeah. Right. We've had a good run. It's been fun. <laughs> good run. <laughs> we've had a good time. It's not time. what you say then. It's what you say something like now. Right. Well, we've had a good run. Yeah. This is the end of our relationship. Yeah. Thanks. It's yeah. been real. But it's not. We haven't had a good run yet. <laughs> Are we still waiting for that good run? Yeah. And then it will be the end. So hopefully that good run will never come. So you go to start the car. Yep. The car doesn't start, does it? Nope. I thought at that point, oh, he's being funny. He's not actually serious. The car hasn't actually stopped working. He's just calling back to that earlier story of when the car wouldn't start. He's joking around. The car legitimately died. And on that bombshell, we will leave past Fern and Josh sitting in that broken down car on their very first date and return to them on the next episode. Next time, we talk about Josh's hopes following our first date. I didn't think you were going to not see me again just because my car's broken down. Discuss navigating a disability when dating. It's because I had never dated someone who's blind. So I didn't want to treat you differently and I didn't think to treat you differently. And talk about some of the lessons Josh has learnt from dating me. What's mine is yours and what's yours is yours. Exactly. I'm glad we've got that straight. As always, I want to hear from you. What has been the most embarrassing situation you've ever encountered on a first date? And most importantly, how did you wriggle your way out of it? Leave me a comment and let me know. For now, though, you've been listening to Into You with me, Fern Lullum. Special thanks to my gorgeous guest, Josh Holland. Your technical support is secondary. 
second to none. Also, thanks to the manager of AMI, Andy Frank. Leave me your feedback at feedback at ami.ca. And if you liked what you heard, don't forget to search for Into You on your favourite or indeed any podcast distributing platform and subscribe for more episodes coming your way on the first Thursday of every month when you can find out how my parents reacted to Josh's car faux pas. Oof.